You're listening to the Drawing the Ideal Self podcast for March 2022. Quite often, when people get introduced to PCP and maybe see some work that somebody's done, they might study a bit of the theory and learn about what it means and what Kelly had to say about things. And then the next question is going to be, so how am I going to put this into action? Uh, How will I do work with people in a PCP kind of way? What will that actually look like? So I thought today I might talk a bit about that. So the first thing to say is that, as always, there is more than one way to do any piece of PCP work. So there is an element of choice. And obviously, Kelly was big on choice. It doesn't mean that uh, we necessarily are aware we're always making choices, but we will be considering whether a way of doing things suits us as individuals. Uh, And he was very keen to say that this is an individual sort of psychology of personality so that people can be themselves and they're not necessarily like the next person at all. And I think that's really important because all the people who work with other people to try and help them will be different. So you might be working as a therapist or a coach or a counsellor or a teacher or a psychologist, any kind of person helping other people. But the way you will do it will relate to the person that you are. And included in that is your preferred styles of working. So for some people, they will never use drawing because it's not something that they find helpful and they prefer not to do it that way. They found other ways to do it without needing to use drawing. For somebody else like me, I use drawing a lot as a way of communicating more easily, but also of a very quick way to explore someone's construing. And I always feel that having the drawings as well as the words gives me an extra dimension. So when I get a referral for a young person, the first thing I'd be wondering is why that young person has been referred. What is it that people want to know from asking me to be involved with them? So ideally, they would have a question that they'd like me to help with. So it could be they want to uh, understand better why someone's unhappy coming to school. It could be they want to think about why somebody's not making the progress that they expected them to make. Or it could be that they're wondering what's the best way to do something with a young person. So knowing the question means I can be thinking about that all the way through. And that's important because right at the beginning of sessions, I'll be thinking, what is it that I might be feeding back and how am I going to do that? Uh, And without understanding what somebody was looking for in the first place, it's pretty difficult to feed something back in a way that is going to make sense to them. The first thing I would like to do is to have some kind of contact with parent or carer. So the referral may have come from a school or a doctor or whoever, but the child lives with that parent or carer and they know them well. And I feel it's very important to have some contact with them to say who I am, what sort of things I do, and to reassure them that I will be coming back to them. I also like to give them a chance to tell me their main concern about their child. They may not have one, um, or they may have many. So it may be a matter of having to listen to a few and then ask them what they're most worried about. 
Sometimes that will tally very nicely with the referrer. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. And I think it's interesting either way. I do that because I think uh, a parent or carer needs to trust me to do a decent job with their child and also to recognise their input. You know, my piece of work may be short in a child's life and it is a small drop in the ocean. So I need to be thinking, how can other people carry on working with this young person? So that could be teachers, it could be schools, it could be social worker, it could also be parents. So somebody's going to have to carry on after I've dipped out. So, you know, typically I will have an input and then disappear again from that child's life. Sometimes I might have a number of inputs over their lifetime, but it definitely won't be continuous. And I would usually only have a few sessions. I think when you're working with children and young people, it's important that the therapeutic intervention is not going to make up to enormous a proportion of their life. It can also be very difficult in terms of the potential both reliance on uh, a therapist, but also on you know, creating an identity as somebody who always needs help. So I think we have to be quite cautious about that. And whatever intervention we might be able to do, it would be a good idea to be always bearing in mind that what we want to foster in the end is independence from us. However much we like that young person, and I've met many young people and children who are absolutely fantastic, and I would love to have ongoing contact with them, but that's not realistic. That's not my role. So we come to the first session with the young person, and I think that's a very important introduction. So typically, young people may have either seen nobody like me before or many people a bit like me before. So they may have had no contact ever with a psychologist, have got no idea what psychologists are, what they do. They may have seen many people. And often I would say the young person doesn't remember who they were, what the difference was between them, didn't properly understand what might happen because they were involved with them. So I try to make sure that I explain that. And often I will say, you know, my job is to help other people to help you better. And one of the ways to do that is to help me to understand you. Then I can tell other people and then they can work out what to do with you to help things go better for you. And although that can sound a, a bit vague, it often does the trick um, because I don't want people to think that I will be involved long term or that I will necessarily need to be involved long term. So for these young people, I would be thinking, OK, they need to know I'm going to be around for a while and then I'll be finishing. But when I finish, I am aiming to help other people to understand them much better. So the next thing I would want to do is to explain that I'm not there to either punish or criticise or tell them off or any of those things that will have happened many times by the time I see young people often. I'm there to understand uh, and what I want to really understand for is so that people can help them better and that they can get on better with their life. Um, and it can be quite hard for young people to hear that, I think, particularly if they feel bad about what they've been doing. 
and they understand that what they've done is wrong and they may feel that, you know, really it's very difficult to talk about their mistakes. So my first session, although I give them that intro, I don't talk about that so much. So session one would really be used to think about who they are and to understand them better from a point of view of context. So, you know, what kind of things do they like to do in their free time? How do they spend their time with other people? How do they spend their time on their own? Uh, Do they feel okay with people? Uh, Who's in their family? Who do they live with? Uh, Are there people that they don't live with who are really important, such as other relatives or close family friends or somebody who's important at a club they go to? You know, are there adults around who can help them or do they have to try and solve problems on their own? So it's really a, a very general discussion to find out more about them. Sometimes at the end of that session, I might use a technique, but it definitely won't be at the beginning. Uh, and I would immediately be writing things down so they can see that I do that. And I explain that otherwise I might forget and that I really want to remember what they said, not what I thought they said. Um, so, you know, often I will have my notes in front of me and they can see what I'm writing down and they can feel free to correct them if they want, which sometimes happens. So during that session, what I'm doing really is working on sociality. So I'm helping the young person to construe me in the role of questioner. Um, and I'm also trying to construe them um, in the role of uh somebody that I'm going to work with so that we can get on with it. If I can help them to understand the way things might go in sessions uh, and particularly understand that I'm not there to criticise them in any way, then I think we have a better session and it sort of sets the scene for the other sessions. The other thing that I want to do in that session is to hear them talking. So I do ask a lot of questions, but I want to see how they put things together and listen to the way they speak. And I'm always on the lookout for the way they talk and the language they use so that I can use that in my conversations with them in future. So then we come to the sessions. So these are the kind of middle group of sessions and not including the end. Um, So what I'd be trying to do is bear in mind the question that the referrer has. So let's say if that was, uh, why are you not getting on with other children in school? What's the problem? Um, It could be something as vague as that. So I might be choosing techniques that will help me to elaborate their views on something like that. And I really want to think about their personal views. So, you know, in terms of PCP, it is a personal construct psychology. It's what that child makes of their experiences, not what other people say they make of them. So I would say that you can have a child of any age and feel free to ask them for their view of things. So even if they're five, they may be able to tell you very well how they see things. Obviously, for some people, they don't have the language skills to do that very easily. So I might be needing to think about how I'm going to do it. And I think in lots of ways, this is how I got into using drawing. So I find it easier when I've got both words and pictures. And I think I tend to work in that way all of the time. 
So the pictures can be made of clay, can be a ball of clay fashioned into something. It's still a representation of construing. So, you know, I think that the way that you do those elaborations of different aspects of what you're working on will depend on your own preferences. So if you're the person doing the intervention, you've got to be thinking, okay, what what will I use to explore this with this person? And what sort of tools have I got that I like and that I feel or I'm quite fluent with? Or do I need to find something that's really different for this young person? So I've had times where I've had to use language that's been very different. So it could be that I've got to use uh, the language of a football club and the way football works. So uh, you could use that for any kind of thing. So if you wanted to look at finding it difficult to get on with other young people, but you know that that young person loves football, then you can use the language used in football. So who's in the team? Uh, Are you part of the team or not part of the team? How do you think you can get picked for the team more often? Uh, What would it take if you wanted to be the captain? Uh, How would people take to that? So it depends on the question and it depends on that individual's interests. And that's the reason that session one includes plenty of information about the kind of ways they like to spend their time. It's also bearing those in mind because maybe any intervention that happens after I've finished will need to take that further. So if they were really into computers, what could happen to elaborate that? Once I've dropped out, you know, is there some way that somebody can help them to get even more into computers, which therefore means that their behavior changes towards other people or they begin to see teachers as more helpful or they have an occupation so that they can entertain themselves. Whatever the reason, I'd be thinking of how I can use the way that that child relates to the world in order to intervene with them. Now, that means that it's something they already understand. The difficulty is me understanding their construing. They already understand those things. So let's say if they go to Scouts and they really love Scouts and uh, that's all going well. It's an area of success. You know, I need to learn more about Scouts so that I can think about how that might work in other ways with them. So how I could use the idea of Scouts earning badges to help them with reading, for instance, is that possible to do? I sometimes feel, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this one because I'm not sure that I know enough about whatever it is that they're interested in. So I'll go off and learn it. Luckily, we've got Google and other search engines and it's very easy to find information out now. So if they tell me they're interested in a processor in a computer, Uh, And I don't know what it is. I'll get them to tell me, but I'll also go away and look it up so that I can understand it better. If they tell me that they're interested in American football, I'd better learn something about American football very quickly so that I can relate to them better. And that's going back to the sociality. In order to have a relationship with somebody, we need to be able to construe their constructions and understand how they may relate to the world. So what would I use to do these explorations? Well, could be anything. 
It could be that I use pictures of fire engines if they're interested in fire engines. It could be that I need to do some research on the internet to find something related to their interests so that I can understand them, but also so that I can use them to elaborate their views. It may be that I can think about, okay, let's say if they wanted to be a rock climber and they were desperate to do it and outside school, they're able to be a rock climber. But inside school, the way they're seeing themselves is as somebody who's failing. You know, maybe I could think how I can use rock climbing ideas uh, to think about how they could make progress. So that might be about going up one hand at a time, you know, thinking about whether your hands or legs need to move next and thinking, you know, which, which angle should you take with a problem? So I'll be trying really hard to find ways that I can link together their interests and the language they use with the kind of uh, elaboration that we need to do to understand their views. And in order to do that, I'll use all sorts of things. So I will often use a particular technique. Um, obviously, I'm biased towards my own because they make sense to me. However, I will use other people's things. I use the peg very often because it's a very nice and quick way to explore constructs. I'll use a systemic bow tie uh, because that's another thing that's very quick and easy to use. I don't really use repertory grids. I know that some people will use rep grids and just use them and eyeball them. Um, I, I don't always want to do that. I don't very often use triadic elicitation anymore to find out their construct. Sometimes I will. Um, but quite often I've found another way to do it. And I might be uh, exploring, say, doing drawing the ideal role. So if there's somebody who is very poor at maths, say, I might look at the person who's brilliant at maths and the person who can't do maths at all. Um, and we might do it that sort of way. I could equally have asked them to give me people who are really good at maths and some people who are in between and some people who are not, and use that to do a triadic elicitation about their construing around maths. So I, I want to hold everything as possible. Uh, I want to know the techniques and be able to use them accordingly. And obviously, for some people, it looks like you're just having a chat or doing a little exploration. But very quickly, it moves into providing some interesting conversation and some feedback for the young person about what they have told me is connected together and questioning them about, does, you know, does it always have to be that? Does it always have to be that the people aren't good at maths, don't want to come to school, for instance? Is, it, is there a way that they could want to come to school, even though they're not very good at maths? I wonder what that would be like. So I will... Um, try and explore their views and think about the implications of their construing. Obviously, that's their personal view uh, and it's neither right nor wrong. And sometimes young people will be quite anxious around that as if it's a trick question. And a lot of my work is about saying, you know, your view is your view. That's fine. The other thing that I will do is say, you know, I'm not going to go back to your teacher and tell them that you've said they're very boring or that you don't like them, for instance. Young people don't necessarily believe that and may be cautious. That's OK. But actually, I think you've, you've got to be thinking about how confidential your information is and at what point you're going to 
talk to somebody else about it. So my typical thing is that even in session one, I'll say, you know, when we finish our work together, what I would like to be able to do is talk to other people about it so they can help you. And then as we go through the sessions, I will then be asking them, can we do that? What can we share with other people? So what's okay to share with your parents? What's okay to share with your teacher? And usually I've got physical things to share, pictures, models. I might have a photograph if they've used go-go's and done them in arrangement. And I, I think it's very powerful to show the originals to people. So I'd really want to do that. If they've done an ideal school, I want to show their ideal school and make sure that people understand what it is. So the kind of in-between sessions are about elaborating, construing, but also challenging some of the way they construe things to find out, is that very fixed? Have they got tight constructs? Can they be loosened? And often loosening is a thing that's needed. So if somebody says, I'm really bad at maths, you know, can you loosen that construct by asking them some maths questions and demonstrating that actually they're not as bad as they thought? Um, so can you teach a more playful way of doing maths and show them that maths can be fun? Could you show them a video of kids who absolutely love maths, but make sure the maths in it is within the range that they can do? It's about challenging the way that they have begun to construe things in a way that's unhelpful to them or is limiting them, but always with the understanding that they're doing their best, really. You know, those are the, that's the way they can interpret things. That's the way they can make sense of their life. It's the best that they can do, and it, it does have meaning for them. So I would never contradict them, and I would never tell them that they were wrong. So as we move through those sessions... I'll be thinking, OK, what could we do that uh, is going to make sense as we get towards the end? Does this young person need something to take away? Now, it could be that all they need to take away is a discussion with their parent or with their teacher. However, that, that's not so typical. Very often there'll be something that they take away that is kind of um, a reminder of the session. So it could be their drawings, you know, wrapped up nicely into a pack. Um, or put in an envelope all together and all labelled. Could be that we've made a video during the sessions and so they can get that to take away. They might have made a model or a book. I, I like making books with kids because I think we can do a collaborative project and they don't need to be good at literacy to make a book. They just need to be able to do the drawings. And if they can't do the drawings... I can do the drawings and they can do the writing so we can find some way of doing it. Unfortunately, now, now there's so much IT, we can try all kinds of things. Sometimes I will make a letter uh, that comes at the end of the sessions for them. Um, and it'll be a letter that I will write after the sessions are ended and send to them. Sometimes it could be a letter they take away or reminders to self kind of letter. But something that uh, I think particularly for children and young people, they've got a lot going on in their lives and there's a lot of change all the time. So something to help them remember what went on with me in that room. And those things that we make will have a message for other people. So although they are a summary of something, 
to do with our work, they will also be given in a way that other people can either build on or use again or refer back to or um, encourage something in the child because of it. So it could be there's a list of their particular strengths. It might be that they've done fantastic drawings and those drawings really illustrate the way they like to be treated. That's really worth keeping. So I might try and put them all together in one larger picture, um, which you can do now using a computer or an iPad, which is great. Um, I tend to use a program called Fresco for the drawings. It's an Adobe program and it allows you to draw on the screen on an iPad or take pictures and import them into an iPad and then you can change them or if they've drawn them you can go over them you know with a better pen and make them stand out more so all kinds of things but the the thing they take away is important because it needs to show both the effort they had to make during the sessions and a, a degree of competence that you know, there's a message within it that therapy is actually hard work. Even if you only have two sessions, it's hard work. It's not an easy thing for kids to do. And if they manage it and they engage with it, that should really be appreciated by the adults around them. So I want them to know that something happened in that room that was important and that um, it's something that they can continue to build on. The other thing that I would offer is if I've got loads of drawings, which sometimes I have, I will check with them which ones can be shared with other people and are there some they don't want to be shared. And that can be for all sorts of reasons. Maybe they don't like the drawing they did. It may be they don't want people knowing that about them. So I would ask them what's okay. And for the session with their parent or carer, ideally, you'd have parent, carer and teacher together. Um, For those kind of sessions, I really want to be able to say, this is the work we did together and this is what I think this young person meant by it. And these are the things I would always get kids to say, how can other people help you? And that might be asking them to give two or three instructions or explanations of ways that can help them to be more like the person they want to be uh, in the situation that they're in. So if we go back to the being very bad at maths example, It might be that they want to be able to use a maths computer program, that they've got an idea that that's a much better way for them to learn. So, you know, being able to say that to the teacher, the issue and to the parent, the issue is then can somebody provide that somehow in order to shift this kid along with their maths so that they can be more competent at maths. And I think it's important that people take on board the things that children and young people say about that. If they say, I would be better if this happened, then that's worth hearing. In the session that I have with them, it might be that I don't initially put some limits on those things. So it could be they suggest anything out of this world situations, but they're not realistic for the situation they're in. So I will encourage them to say, okay, so that would be fantastic. But is there something that could happen here? Is there something that could happen at home that would really help you? Is there something that could happen at school that would really help you? Is there something outside school? Um, And although it's nice to have the dreams, most young people are able to think a bit more realistically. So because I use this kind of process, I don't know for each child how many sessions we're going to need. I can give an average and say, okay, maybe six. Um, Sometimes it'll be two. 
Sometimes it'll be eight. Sometimes it might be 10. Sometimes it will be four. So for each individual, it's going to be different. And what I think is important is to say, okay, here's, here's an average, but let's see how that goes because we may not need them all. And I always tell the young person that and tell their parent that as well. So they don't come in with the expectation that this is going to go on forever. And I think given how young children are, uh, it's very important that they can see that. I think the other thing is coming out of lessons in school is actually pretty difficult nowadays because the pace of learning is pretty high. So missing your lesson every Monday for half an hour, you know, that can be an issue if you keep on missing the same thing. For some young people, I really want them in the session at the end. For others, I think it's probably too much for them. Um, if they've got something that we're going to share, I ideally want them to be there. So it might be I'm just meeting with a parent and a child together. It might be that we've got three or four people, uh, in which case that might be a bit more tricky for the child, not for me necessarily. So just to make sure that they feel OK in that situation. And it might need to be a shorter meeting if we've got a child present. But the idea of, of meeting is to go back to the original referral and say, you asked me to have a look at this with this young person. This is how I've done it. This is what we've done. These are the outputs of that work. And these are the suggestions for what might work to support that in the future. So that might be the future as in tomorrow or over the next term or next year or when I move to secondary school or whatever it is. So depending on the child, the situation, what we're trying to do, what the question was, the, the kind of projection, if you like, is a bit different. And then there's the issue of what I might write. So if I'm working at work uh, for an organisation, obviously I'll need to write something. If I'm working independently, uh, that's something that I would negotiate separately. I'm very conscious all the time that the time we spend writing is taken off the time that we have to offer intervention and therapy. So that there isn't any extra time that's available. There is only the time there is per case, if you like. If we use too much of that time for the writing, we might be missing two sessions we could have had with a young person or two more meetings we could have had with their parent. So I'm cautious about that. Um, and I think it's important to have a record and to keep my records. It's not always important to have a big, long report as the output. Now, that doesn't apply for certain situations because a long report and a lot of information is required. But if it's not like that and you have a choice of how you do things like I do for some of my work, you know, I will try and make the report as short as possible to the point as possible. And it might not even be a report. It might be here's uh, some information that might be helpful to you to help your child with this. Um, lots of links, um, maybe some information that take from the Internet to steer them towards really useful resources so that they can manage things differently at home. It could be that I'll make some recommendations for uh, things they might use or stuff they might watch on the Internet. Um, or it might be that I just write something that says we met. This is what we tried to work on. This is how we did it. 
um, and this is the outcome and this is suggestion for the future. But if I'm going to do something like that, I would say that that takes at least the equivalent of one session. Um, so I would try to keep it to a minimum where I have to produce something long and in, long and written. And that's it, really. Um, I've said all this. It sounds a bit simplistic in some ways to me. Um, but all through that, what I'm trying to do is think about PCP. Think what are the best ways that I can do things with this individual child? How can I be the best psychologist for them? Yeah, what do they need? What style do they need? For instance, do I need to allow them to swear sometimes uh, because they don't have the vocabulary to use? But for somebody else, I might not allow that at all. Uh, so it, it just depends on the individual. So I'll be trying to be the psychologist who can work with them. And that won't be the same for every child. And no two children will have the same, same therapy, if you like. They will have their own version of it, using different tools for different people. Um, maybe no tools at all that anyone can see on a piece of paper. It might all be through talking. Although that tends not to be the case for me because I find it helpful to do the drawing. And it makes it, when you've got drawings, it makes it much easier to remember what you were working on. And you've got a picture as well. So I, I think what I would urge people to do is to think, what are the things they like to use and get good at those so that they're fluent, so that they can use them in any situation with anyone and they've got them ready in the toolbox. And then to also be open to new things coming along and new ways of doing things so that they try out new techniques, not with clients first. Ideally, I always try things on myself and then try them on somebody else. And then I might try them with somebody I'm working with once I've had a go at them. But I need to know what it's like, uh, if you like, to be on the receiving end uh, and also to be on the facilitating end. So the only way to do that is do it on myself first so I can get a feeling of whether it represents me okay and then to do it with somebody else so I can see, okay, what do I need to do about making this bit work for me? I think going back to the very beginning, this is a personal approach. You know, no two people who are offering any kind of therapy or intervention are alike. They're all individuals. They've all got their own style. They've all got stuff they really like to use, never would use. Um, they've all got a way of making it happen. So what each person needs to do is be comfortable almost in their own skin in delivering it in the way that fits with them. That way, the person on the receiving end will receive a fluent, fluid uh, intervention, which feels comfortable to them, hopefully. OK, so that's really how I tend to do things. Um, it might be a little bit vague in terms of the middle part because it depends on the child. And without giving you details of cases, I can't say exactly what I would do. And actually, if I saw another child or young person with the same problem, I might do it in a completely different way because that's what they need. OK, 
So I'm hoping that I haven't bored you to death and that I'll see you again at the end of April. Okay, thank you. Bye.